In the gospel according to Matthew, uh, the scripture tells us that Jesus, in answering some of the temptations of Satan, said in the fourth chapter of Matthew, verse 4, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We'll get back to that. In our Lord's Prayer that we prayed tonight, of course, is the statement, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. And finally, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Isaiah 9 and 7 said, And the increase of his government and of his peace there shall be no end. And another rendition puts it, And his kingdom shall have no frontiers. So there is, of course, the ever-extension of God's government. This is not just the nuts and bolts of management, but he is speaking about authority. God's kingdom is extended as people submit to Christ's authority, and they give themselves to that. The increase of his government, there shall be no end. I want his government increased in my life. I want to submit more and more to the wonderful, righteous authority of my lovely Lord. Indeed, I want his kingdom to come, and I want his will done in earth as it is in heaven. Praise God. It has already been said here tonight that the United Pentecostal Church is not, uh, we do not count ourselves as the church of God, period. And that is right. We don't do that. We know that uh, God's uh, uh, kingdom is made up of people who do indeed submit to the Lord's authority. Now, all around the world, there are people that are submitting and have submitted to the authority of God that we have not met yet, walking in the truth, uh, coming to the truth, being baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and being led into the truth of the, of the oneness of God. And we appreciate that. But this is our home, and it is a unit that we can come in out of the cold, and we can work in and uh, understand and have relationships which strengthens us and helps us. Everybody needs a house, and it's, people feel more comfortable living in a house than they do in the great outdoors or a massive auditorium like this. There has been put together here by the consent of the governed a house. And it's where the family lives. It is the United Pentecostal Church. The family grows in their particular house rules that goes with management and us getting along together. And we have decided those things together. And so that's very fair. It's nothing to be more fair than that. And uh, so in this particular posture tonight, we gather and we serve the Lord and we worship God. I am so uh, impacted tonight when I look down here and I see this group of young men under 30 sitting here. I appreciate you so much. And I want you to know that there are a lot of men that realize that the young preacher goes through a quite a traumatic uh, experience. A person doesn't get his ministry underway until he is either 27 on up to 32. He's begun to put together the real philosophies that he believes work for him. And even past that time, there is a stressful uh, period that comes in the young preacher's life. He is married and there are children in his family. I imagine there's quite a few of you fellows sitting here 
there are some kids that are stair steps. You want to be a good dad. And you would like to feel like that you are the head of the house. And there's about 90% of the young men sitting here that seriously doubt that you are the head of the house. But you would like to, uh, to be. And if there are occasions that arise that infers that you are not the head of the house, it really upsets you and it breeds frustration in you. And I would say to the wives of these young men here, you don't know how important assurance from you is to your young preacher husband right now. And I feel like that I'm talking in the Holy Ghost now and I'm just I'm just uh, uh, ministering here. I received uh, my card uh, with the OPAJC organization back in the year of 1943. It was signed by uh, S.R. Hanby as the General Secretary and uh, W.T. Witherspoon and R.L. Blankenship. And from that particular time on to now, well, uh, I have come through some of the stages that we're making reference to here. And I know what I'm talking about. You'd like for your kids to be good kids and uh, like to have a good home. But you live in a, in a, uh, in a, uh, a case and uh, a gold bowl, a goldfish bowl, and, and so you're quite stressed. You're trying to get your ministry underway and trying to build a church. And also, you are very conscious of what your fellow preachers think about you in the process of this. Put all of this together and you've got a young man that is got a heavy load on his back and he is doing his dead level best. If anything comes along that seems to threaten the house that he's living in or rearranges the furniture during this particular time, it's understanding that this uh, could be a, uh, an upsetting thing. But, friend, I want, uh, uh, I'd, I'd like to say this. We live by two books. One is the house rules for the family. And uh, it's, we know it as the United Pentecostal Church. Somebody might say, well, this is just simply uh, uh, things that's put together by man. That's true. But I want you to know that it was not put together overnight. It's been a long time in happening. A long time. It is a slow evolvement of the years. As people have gone through various experiences, and some of them have been very, very traumatic, and they have they've gone through those things and they've reached particular conclusions. And most always they they are the best conclusions considering everything. I wasn't around when the decision was made against tobacco or against movies. I wasn't around at that particular time, but it was a good decision. However, they came about it. It was a good decision and it's protected me. And I have not been jeopardized by subscribing to something Oh, that somebody older than myself said, this is our decision and judgment in this. I, uh, I feel comfortable where I am. I like the house. And uh, I've been in it a long time. It's my home. And here I am. Talking with O.C. Marler one time, I said, O.C., how's things going with you? And he said, well, all right, and, and so on. And then we talked a bit, and... Uh, I could sense that he happened to be one of those kind of down periods in the life of the O.C., excuse me, Brother Marler. And uh, so uh, I, uh, I said, well, what's the problem? Well, he said, Brother Pugh, I'd uh, just like to go home, but I don't know where it is. Now, that is the decision and the feeling of a lot and lots of preachers. Where is home for fellows like sit up here? 
I don't know where home is on this earth for me. We bought grave lots years ago in Houston, Texas. It's close to the grave plot of my dear, wonderful district superintendent, Brother V.A. Gidrose, as we could possibly get. We still own those lots. There are preachers that have lots around there, and uh, I visioned about being buried there among those preachers in the Texas district, close to my former district superintendent that I owe so much to tonight. But time has come and gone, and we grow away from some things, and now then we don't know whether that's home and whether it feels like home. Where is home? I can tell you, it's the deck of this ship. It is in the living room of this house. It is, it is church-wise. That is home for the preacher. You're the vagabond of this particular age. You are, you're liable to the beck and call of the God that calls you first to the ministry. You have no permanent dwelling place. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. And nobody but God knows where you're going to be ten years from now. So a fellowship and relationship is extremely important. Do you agree with everybody in the house? And does the whole family always get along well together? Absolutely not. I heard a man say one time, my wife and myself have been married 40 years, haven't had one cross word. He was an old man, and uh, I think he was a good man, but I didn't believe him. And uh, it was something wrong with them, or he was lying one. Because nobody, I don't think, would live together 40 years without having some kind of difference. So here, the God moves upon us to lead us. What about you and the future? I am an old man. I will be 63 this month. But there are men around, like myself, in this United Pentecostal Church, Friend that are as excited about tomorrow as we can possibly be, and what God has in mind for the church of the living God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And there are quite a few in this United Pentecostal Church like that. The scripture that I read tonight said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is a word of continuation. It is not a word of staidness. He spoke of a preceding word, not a word frozen in dictum, but a flowing word of direction. And I would like to spread my thoughts out as a challenge to every preacher here tonight. Now, when I read the Acts of the Apostles, I'm tremendously amazed at the flexibility of that group of people and their sensitiveness to the leadership of the Spirit of God. I am amazed that the Holy Ghost could say to a large body of people, sell everything that you have got and take the money and lay it at the apostles' feet and do it now and do it as quick as you can. Put it all on the market. Sell it. Liquidate it now. And they did without knowing why. They had no way of knowing that 70 years from that or less, that Jerusalem would be flattened, that real estate would be worth nothing, that the real assets of that group of people could be liquidated and transferred into the coinage of heaven, that they could make friends with the mammon of unrighteousness, and a whole world would meet them on that shore to beckon them in 
and receive them in time to come when their life failed. They had no way of knowing that. But being a group of people that was led by the Spirit, they submitted themselves to that and did it, and thus advanced the work of God by leaps and bounds. God was able to speak to them like that. I am amazed that this group of people, coming to the 15th chapter of Acts, 15 years later, could confront a law that, uh, and a practice that not only was written on pa uh, paper, but was deep down in the warp and woof of the family structure that every male child which opened the womb should be uh, circumcised eight days later. And this was in the family. It was in the tribes. It was in them all. How in the world could you surmount a particular definition and defining that separates people, the, the haves and the have-nots, and that particular line does it? Yet the great God looks over walls, and he loves everybody, and how is this gospel going to move if there are obstacles and constrictions and things of this nature? The church did it. It amazes me. I don't know how they did it. The only way I know that they did it was if they were to completely submitted to the Lord. Let's quote the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And to the increase of his kingdom and his government, there shall be no end. Or his kingdom has no frontiers. Praise God. Hallelujah. They refused to draw one that day in the 15th chapter of Acts. And they said, no, it'll be universal. It will not be providential. We will not be stopped and uh, defined and hemmed in by uh, particular situations. We will go. So, the preceding word of God. The word of God that comes at one time may not be the word of God which the Lord would pass on at another time. It was the word of God that they should kill the Paschal lamb in Egypt on a given night. And it was truly the word of God. And a principle was enacted in Israel that was kept until Calvary. And it was a true principle that never changed. Fine, that was the word of God. But it was not the only word of God. There was the word of God to take the shepherd's uh, script and tie it closely. Put it upon your shoulders. Take your staff in hand. And to move out. And then there was another word of God. Go through the slave. And that was the third word of God. And so the word of God proceeded as they went out of Egypt and through the wilderness and into the promised land. Out, through, and into. And the thing that took them there was the preceding word. And they had submitted themselves to that authority. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I have a feeling even now that I speak to people here that God would like to advance his kingdom in your own personal life.
I was very much impacted by that, that home mission meeting today. It was powerful. It was strong. I want his kingdom to increase in my life. I want to know more about him. I really do. I want to know more about him. I think sometimes that um, when we feel like that, uh, that God's word doesn't proceed, and I do make notice here tonight that to the seven churches of Asia, there was a different word to each church, a different emphasis, and the same spirit speaking, and yet speaking a different word in each occasion, the preceding word of God. Almighty God wants people led of him. I appreciate so much the content of this service tonight. I said to the men in charge here, I said, you preach to get what we've got. And I said, so what's the big deal? I said, let it go. Praise God. We better never get to the place that we feel like that we have got it all tied up and we know everything and uh, we've got pat answers for everything. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, let us place our hand over our mouth. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I submit myself to you. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. People would like to feel like sometimes that we know everything. And uh, in getting that kind of a feeling, it gives us a sense of control. That since we know it, then there are no eventualities. And we've got God figured out. And uh, so we don't have to worry. We can... We can relax back in that. But when I see a New Testament church, I see a church that moved from faith to faith and from victory to victory. I don't understand how that they made some of the steps that they made. Preachers, do you know that when we get dry-eyed, sober-sided, prayerless, carnal, and critical, and so on, that we come to feel sometimes like we have all the answers and that, um, that nobody, that, that that's it. And it's got to be that way. Now, that's dangerous, and I hope to prove it. That's dangerous even in the field of analysis and research. There is one of the most respected research labs in this country. In that lab were Pentecostal people. Because of that, we're able to know that some of the most bona fide results of particular testing are not true. Because that it violates a particular principle that somebody had declared was indeed a principle. And so when the secretary writes up the results that this happened to ten rats... And they were treated this way, and then this was the result. It doesn't look good. It has been known for them to get a directive, change it. Instead of putting down 10 rats, put down 100 rats. And this will change the perspective and lend weight where we want it to justify the particular principle that we have 
placed and we have in mind. When you get so set that you are no longer fluid, what about it? Sell my house? Yeah, sell your house. I'll sell it. What about it? You're going to let them in without circumcision? Yeah. Okay. We better write something up. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. I wish tonight somehow or other there would come a solemn awe to us. A particular holy reverence. Feeling that we indeed are in the presence of our Father. Praise God. We humble ourselves before Him. So Sir Isaac Newton proved the law of gravity. He dropped two steel balls from the leaning tower of Pisgah. They were different weight, and so the falling of those balls and the timing and proved a particular law of gravity, and he wrote it down, and we hold that to be a principle. That's fine. But Sir Isaac Newton had another principle that he really wanted verified, and so he wrote a paper. On a certain day, he was riding in a certain ship, and he climbed up the mast, and on the yard arm he perched. The ship was traveling eight knots, and so he dropped two steel balls from the yard arm of a ship that was traveling forward eight knots. And this was to have substantiated a particular principle that he had in mind. And so that was fine. He was reputable, and they accepted it. But in time, it turned out there was no such ship. It was not named that because there was no such ship. He was not on that ship, obviously. And where was he? He was in his office. And he thought it up. And he wrote it down. And it substantiated it. But it was not true. So, what are we talking about? Thy kingdom come. Sell it. I'll sell it. Don't circum... They don't have to be circumcised? No. Okay. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. I'm not talking about the new birth. We know what it is. It's being born of the water and of the Spirit. That is repentance. That is baptism in Jesus' name. That is the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I am not talking about a separated lie. That goes with it. It is in the Old Testament. It comes right past the cross, and it's in the New Testament. It's there. That's a valid principle of life. Praise God. But I'm talking about being so flexible to God's will. And listening to Him, hearing the Spirit when He speaks to the church, being humble, yes, giving ourselves to God. Job had everything fixed up in neat packages, and he knew the answer to everything. And it looked like he was right. But God does not travel the freeways. God walks a devious path. In fact, the 77th chapter of Psalms says that his way is in the sea 
and his path is in great waters, and his footsteps are not known. And so, when you follow him, you will follow an invisible footprint upon the back of a rolling wave that will vanish and be gone, and only the spiritual and the clean-hearted will see it and know it. For we look at not at those things which are seen, but at those things which are not seen. For those things which are seen shall vanish away. The Bible says the invisible things of God are clearly seen. Yes, they are to those that, that are looking for them. But if I'm talking to a preacher tonight, it's gotten prayerless, carnal, Critical, mean, friend, let us humble ourselves. Let us humble ourselves. Praise God. And so Job's friends came. They didn't have the answers. They thought they did. Who here has the answer? Who's got the answer? A woman told me today, this past year has been a very hard year for me. For our family, we've lived for God, but I have cancer. I've taken cobalt. My husband didn't know what sickness was. He had open heart surgery this year while I was taking cobalt. And then this thing has happened and that thing has happened. And it's been a tough year. Do you know the answer to life? Who among us tonight has ever surveyed and sounded out the great ocean of human guilt and misery? Listening to its melancholy moan as it comes from the far distant ages, rolling around the islands and the continents of this earth, and heaving its dark waves of living wretchedness upon the shores of this day. Without shrinking back, sharing in such an awesome thing is life. My friend, you don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. Praise God. His way is in the sea, and his pathway in mighty waters, and his footsteps are not known. Praise God. So for eight times, there was the hurling of charge and countercharge. Eight times. Job rose to his defense, and in a beautiful, wonderful, skilled way, defended himself. And then we come to the 38th chapter of Job, verse 1. Who is this, the Lord says, that darkened the counsel with words? And he said to Job, have you entered into the springs of the sea? Have you walked in the search of the depth? Of course he hadn't. Job knew nothing of the geysers, the spouting from the ocean floor and the Atlantic, Pacific, Impossible to live in water, 214 degrees, and yet in that water of around 600 degrees Fahrenheit, there huddles the most weird, horrendous creatures living in the springs of the sea. The black smokers and the white smokers are there, and we didn't know nothing about them. I don't know much, and you don't either. 
Who is it that darkened counsel with words? Praise God. There are two books in the house. One is the house rules. And when you signed your fellowship card, you said that you'd read it, the house rules, and you should have. And it's a good thing to read it every now and then. It's not not bad. I found that it corresponds with this book. These are the two books that that are in my life. Obviously, the Bible is most important, but this one is too, because it's got the house rules in it. And I said to several today, I've met and meet in the United Pentecostal Church the cleanest men. I meet men that are honest, and I meet men that are trying. It's the finest fellowship that I could ever imagine. And I'm so pleased with it. Praise God. This is a family understanding and corporate understanding. It is what that we are to submit ourselves to as far as our relationship in the house. And uh, it's not bad. This is, of course, the book of life. And these two books here are the books that, uh, that we look at in the United Pentecostal Church. Now, young preacher, that's what we understand. That's what I understand. That if I don't violate that, and that if I respect it, and if I live according to this Bible here, I don't find conflict in them. There is. We need to change this. And, and I think we will. We usually get around to doing the things that need to be done. I want to say that again. We usually get around doing the things that need to be done. Don't worry. This is God's people. It, whatever is right will come about in due time. Amen. Praise God. That's right. And I'm not worried about it. This is my family. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Praise God. Now, sometimes... Young fellows like yourself come in contact with a third kind of directive or restriction. It is not so much in the manual, not so much in the Bible. It is the opinions of men, your fellows, and the opinions of men older than yourself. And uh, sometimes by intimidation or whatnot, these particular opinions bring you under condemnation and they bring you under guilt and you labor under that a young man told me some time back he said I preached things that I didn't believe for a good portion of my ministry and he said when I got around to the place when I just accepted the fellowship as it is defined the Bible as it is written and I lived under God Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Under God, I am his child. I live under him. He said, I felt a tremendous liberty. You know what my feeling is for someone who tries to push their opinions on me? When I live according to this, and I live according to this, 
I am prone to think or say, I'm living within the realm of those two. Get off my back. Praise God. I'm pastoring my church without violation to the manual, without violation to the Bible. Keep your nose out of my business. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You're God's child. The Lord is with you, and uh, He is going to take care of you. I think of the Job when the Lord said to him, Do you know those answers? Job says, I don't know those answers. I repent. What did he repent of? Number one, he repented of self-righteousness. Number two, he repented of a lack of humility. And he said, I heard about you, but I never had seen the invisible footprint. I didn't know. And his way is in the sea, and his path is in the mighty waters, and his footsteps are not known. Yeah, I know what it takes to be saved. I know also that God is expecting me to live separated and holy, and that's no problem for me. That's me. That's no imposition. I believe that. I believe that. That includes everything that's in that manual. And what's in there is no imposition on me. That's me. I believe that. That's the house rules. I'm going to live with it. And if something else goes in there, I'm going to live with it. Right. This is my house. Praise God. Could we say praise the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So when somebody comes to the Lord, and I'll say this in closing, and says, what must I do to be saved? We wouldn't have any problem with that. We can simply say, no problem there. I can tell you immediately how to get started. Acts 2.38. Repent, be baptized, get the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir, that'll get you started. Okay, that's fine, getting started. Tell me the rest of it. All right? I can tell you, you got, you, you'll, you'll need to obey God the rest of your life. Well, okay, now that's, that's a pretty good size bill. But if you'll spell some of that out for me, I'd appreciate it. Tell me, detail it for me. And we could wisely say, not on your life. If I detail it, you'll add it up. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, and then you'll stop and you'll say, I'll do no more. But his way is in the sea. And his path is in the mighty waters. It takes the spirit to live this thing. Sell it. I'll sell it. You're going to let them in without circumcision? That's what we decided. Right? Okay. It 
that sensitivity, that invisible footprint on the back of a racing wave. For it is written in the gospel that he did walk the waters and he came to them walking on the water. Why did he do it? I guess he did it simply to know, let them know that he not always walks the path of concrete. But sometimes it is an elusive way that the carnal mind and I does not see. It is said, and Isaiah saw the church on the other side of Calvary and said, I will lead you in a way that thou hast not known. Praise God. You're looking at a preacher tonight, friend. Above everything in the world, I want to walk with God. Amen. And when I walk with God, I'm going to walk with my brethren. That's right. I may not agree with them right up uh, teetotally, but they're my brother. I love them. Thank God. I'm going to walk with them. Praise God. It's not going to be a big job either. Amen. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Said in the 107th Psalm that Moses knew the ways of God. Israel knew the acts of God. Israel saw God doing things. Moses knew the way that God went. And his way is so often in the sea. But he could pick it up. Jehovah had said that I'll go before you. But when Moses crossed over the Red Sea floor, there was not one single footprint there. They were invisible. And for 40 years, he followed them. The scripture said that he endured because he saw the invisible. He was sensitive. God could speak to him, deal with him, talk with him. I feel like that there is sweeping through the United Pentecostal Church an old-fashioned bedrock hunger, real hunger for God. Praise God. A young pastor not long ago, someone told him just before Sunday night service, somebody wants to see you. And this is something that's not new to any of us. When this man was brought up to him, he knew, of course, what the situation was. He was dirty. He was ragged. He was unkept. And he knew he wanted money. And he did. Pastor said, you just stay here. Sit in the service. If you're hungry after church is over, I'll take you out and get you something to eat. Sit right here. We're glad you're here. And he went ahead with the service. And it was a great service. During the service, the back door opened. And in walked a preacher and his wife. That was near his same age. And somebody that he loved to have fellowship with. And so, he was glad to see him. We're going to have a good time after church tonight. 
He made note of that. And then, after church, he came up to him and said, Say, let's go out and get something to eat and we'll have some fellowship. Fine. Uh, I was hoping that we could have some time together. Great, we'll do that. Let me take care of some things around here. And then he thought, I've got this man that uh, I told him I'd take him out and get him something to eat. And he thought, well, that's no problem. Uh, we'll take him by uh, to Kentucky Fried Chicken and we'll drop him off there and I'll pay for it and that's fine. And so he said, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go tell him. And this is what the preacher said. He said, as I walked toward that dirty, ragged man, the Holy Ghost said, if that was me that you were coming up to, to speak to, what would you say? You fellows are here. He said, when he got to him, he said, say, we'll be ready to go in just a little bit, and I have some friends, and you can go with us. All right. Very fine. And he wanted to take his friends to a, a outstanding Restaurant that he himself had never been to and wanted to go to. It was a French restaurant. They served you with with uh, uh, coattails and hats and and male waiters and all of that. It was a high class thing. And he thought, well, we'll go somewhere else. And the Holy Ghost said, and if you were taking me out tonight, where would you take me? And he said. We'll go to the French restaurant. And they did. And they drove up there, and it was a place where they met you with their coats and hats and bowed you out of the car, and they took and parked your car for you, brought you in, and the table was reserved. They drove up, and his friend stepped out, and he turned to the man, he said, I'm going to tell you something now, but we're going in there. But you better act right. You understand? If you act up, I'll get you. The fellow said, oh, I'll act all right. And he did. And there they sat. The man with his rags, his smells, his looks, and all of the service there. And then... They had a great time. And a week later, he got a letter from this preacher friend. Just one of those things that you write. Sure appreciated the service. The spirit was good. It was a treat to just sit and be in a Sunday night service somewhere else. I enjoyed the fellowship. And the restaurant was just outstanding. Never seen anything like that. But most of all, brother so-and-so, I want to tell you what I'll never forget. Last Sunday night, I saw Jesus. Last Sunday night, I saw Jesus. It was just a slight footprint in a hissing wave. It was just a bomb. quote the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Praise God. It's wonderful to be in the house tonight. Amen. And Jesus himself said, My father's house are many mansions, but were not true, I would have told you. And they're there, enough for everybody. So, we're in transit tonight, and we're coming to the close of another Jimmer conference. I might have talked to somebody tonight that feels like that you've been up on the heaving seas. There's nothing but watery waste. And it seems so vacant, so lonely. You're not by yourself. His path is in the sea. His way is in the great waters. He's there. All the time. All the time. Twilight and evening star and one clear call for me. May there be no morning of the bar when I put out to sea. For such a tide is moving seems asleep, too full for sound or foam. When that which drawn from out the boundless deep turns again to home. Twilight and evening star and after that the dark. And may there be no sadness of farewell when I embark. For though from out our born of time and place and the flood may bear me far, but I know that I'll see my pilot face to face. I know that. I know that. Praise God. He never changes.